Last Sunday, one of the young members of our congregation asked me an interesting question, one that I have been mulling over all week. The thrust of it was, what kinds of abilities did God incarnate in the person of the infant Jesus have? Did he come out of the womb and into the world already understanding Aramaic, his parents' native tongue? Or did they have to teach it to him? Could he have walked right away? Maybe, miracle of miracles, he could have spared his blessed mother, the queen of heaven, the diaper stage, or the terrible twos. It's a good question, right? The question gets to the mind-bending nature of the incarnation. When you're the fully divine, almighty creator of the universe, and fully human with the limitations with which we're all too familiar, in any given moment, which aspect of your nature wins out? Trying too hard to get into the mind of God, that fully divine nature, is a difficult and dangerous task, and history is littered with examples of such efforts leading to unpleasant consequences. Planes flying into skyscrapers, so-called witches and Joan of Arc being burned at the stake. So better sometimes, I think, to stick with the things that we know about Jesus' nature, that fully human bit. And part of what it is to be fully human is indeed to enter the world unable and unknowing, to rely on your father and your mother to teach you to walk, talk, and to figure out what it is to be a person. At a somewhat more advanced age, Jesus came to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. By this point, Jesus is already a fully grown human person, some 30 years old, but one who has one last bit of growth to do, to come into his own as the Messiah, the one who will redeem the whole world. Learning to speak at the feet of his mother was part of Jesus assuming his identity as fully human. Being baptized at the hands of John was the event that launched Jesus into his divine work on earth. But that's a task, this baptism, for which John does not feel fully qualified. Baptism is a simple act, but it is a lot of things a symbolic death, a symbolic birth, the washing away of sins, the incorporation into community. Jesus' propensity to, or excuse me, John's propensity to call his own followers a brood of vipers to their face suggests a character not overly reflective on his own sinfulness and unworthiness so the fact that John hesitates to baptize Jesus is something that we ought to pay attention to and give us pause. Who was he to set apart this man 
for this holy purpose. Three years ago now, we as a church were doing a lot of liturgical innovation as we tried to figure out how we were going to be in a global pandemic, figuring out how to celebrate communion and under what circumstances, for instance, we could or mostly could not sing. When it came to baptism, we had to change our patterns, but we actually didn't have to create anything new. Instead, we turned to page 313 of the Book of Common Prayer and relied on the inherent authority of any baptized person to baptize somebody else. This way, even if it was judged unsafe for a priest to get close to somebody, given what we knew at the time, baptism could still take place within the confines of a pandemic pod. Now, it's possible that it has escaped your notice until now that you had this authority. <laughs> and perhaps you wonder whether the sacrament of baptism is something you yourself are worthy of bestowing on somebody else. If that's the case, you know a little bit of how John felt in the moment when Jesus approached him. But the thing about baptism is that it's not about worthiness either of the baptizer or the one being baptized. It's about hope. Hope in John's case that Jesus truly is the one that Israel and indeed the whole world had been waiting for. Hope in our case that no matter our fears, our disappointments, the sins lurking in the darkness of our hearts, that God has greater purposes for us in the great project of the world's salvation. Jesus learned to speak at the feet of his mother and father and thus participated in what it was to be fully human and was baptized into what it was to be fully divine. In our baptism, we too are brought into the divine life, which is what it is to be fully human. We are about to renew our baptismal vows, and as we do that, I urge each of you to recall the hope and faith that those who baptized you had, that God is active in these waters and that by them we enter the everlasting embrace of the one who loved us into being, and that we invite others into God's enfolding arms, where we each hear that we are God's beloved, in whom God is well pleased. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.